0: Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's double feature is like the worst date movie ever. The attack of the 50-foot woman and the incredible shrinking man.
1: Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why,
2: to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols, which will be used by this theater, we present the following
0: guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted.
3: For everyone listening to this show,
0: uh, like we to
3: just, make, I would we like just, to make it clear that fucking Skype is the goddamn
1: devil. <laughs> just spent half an hour trying to work on Noah's phone and that microphone we had to just say fuck it and just record anyway
3: yeah and i'm assuming i'm back to buzzing again yeah
1: a little bit yeah 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 we well, yeah
2: that entire half hour that we were all just sitting here waiting for you was in fact an entire waste yeah
3: i apologize everything sucks i hate <laughs> i hate this world and all the people in
2: this also you're frustrated about the skype thing right yes
3: that is also a problem
2: <laughs> it appears that we were stuck here for so long that Brian learned how to throw random <laughs> emojis and shit up in Skype while the rest of us are trying to record a podcast.
1: I was yeah.
3: just figuring, so, I was so upset that I was starting to hallucinate about penguins. Yeah,
1: uh, I was like, because there's a little pencil next to the react button, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I click on it, and it's got other icons, especially like a beer or fire. <laughs>
2: I'm sure that these visuals are fascinating to our oh, yeah. listening audience.
1: Good. <sighs> so Noah, did you try to did you murder someone this week? Is that why you're getting all the bad juju on your microphone? Are you being haunted? Is it the return of the podcast ghost, but now it's haunting Noah. My
3: fucking my fucking movies did we watch this week? <laughs> <laughs> you watched the last, one of them an the hour last, ago. The last the last half hour of my life has just it just <laughs> ended me. It's ended me perfect.
2: Ironically, that's the the last movie you watched. That's sort of how that ended, was with the guy ending permanently. It's rather dark and depressing.
1: Alright, well, uh Noah, why don't you tell us about the Incredible Shrinking Man?
3: Uh so a guy and his lady friend or or I guess wife. Wife's <laughs> yeah, <I> guess. <laughs> they're out on a boat and he gets uh hosed with a cloud that apparently is made out of like vaseline and glitter (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) which is pretty fucking nasty looking to be honest uh they return home and over time he discovers that he is slowly reducing in size
2: also known as shrinking
3: yeah incredibly Uh, which is incredibly kind of fucking boring and pointless until until he reaches about barbie sized And gets into a battle with a house cat, and then it gets, like, real good. So, like, first half of this movie is garbage. Second half, he's in a basement fighting a fucking tarantula with a a needle and a match. Like a (laughs) mite, And then it has a depressing-ass ending. You'd think this movie was made in the 70s without depressing. Uh,
1: I will tell you, I've read the book, and it has the same ending as the book. Well, that's good. And uh, Jack Arnold... Who also did uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, directed this, and he uh, oh. basically fought to keep the same ending as the book. That I'd say
2: I hadn't bothered to look up who the director of this was or any other information about this movie. Um, but it suddenly doesn't surprise me that it's somebody that, like, somebody who did The Creature from the Black Lagoon would also be working in this because it's so it is so dark and it takes this kind of absurd concept and treats it so seriously. Mm. Um, so that's interesting to me. Yeah. I should have, I should have tried a little bit when I was <laughs> Could have use the half an hour where we were fighting with microphones to look up who the director of the movie was. And I wouldn't, would have understood it a lot better.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, a, there's a lot of good things that he said about it. I like all the forced perspective stuff that they do. Most of the special effects are pretty clean for for the time period.
1: Yeah, for but, 1957, this is pretty well done. Yeah, it's
2: really... Uh, I can't think of an example of something that is poorly done. Like, again, for the time. Obviously... You know, without CGI and stuff, but a lot of like the giant sets they build for that poor actor to have to climb around on and stuff look quite good.
3: Oh my God, the the stuff in the basement. I was talking to Shar about it, especially the moment where the water heater breaks and the basement floods, mm-hmm. and uh, he's trying to grab a hold of that nail under the stairs.
2: If that had to be a fucking nightmare to shoot. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know how they... like. I In my head, I'm still not sure how they did that one. That was probably the, the one shot where I'm like, I just don't get it. Like, I don't, you know, because there's like the other guy is in the same shot and like using 50s technology, you've got one guy that's normal sized and one guy that's tiny. And then they've, they had to have like... There must have been a giant pool they built with a replica of the stairs in it. And him trying to hang off a giant nail is like... But how do you like it was seamless the way it was put together
3: yeah and without the we'll talk about this more in the other movie but you know whenever they use the uh, god damn it Brian you would know what it's called what, what was the effect they used before green screen where they would basically just layer two pieces of film on top of
1: each other uh, layering two pieces of film on top of each other I think you're
2: referring to superimposing the picture over one another yes Although I
1: don't know I don't, what the technical is I don't is. know
3: if it was called super wait, it's got a specific name because I've seen a thousand documentaries where they talk about it. I just can't remember what the fuck it is. Uh, but normally whenever you do that, in order to make it work, they have to like shoot you with either a, a, an extremely light or extremely dark colored background and then make one piece of the film more transparent than the other so that you can't see the background. You can only see the foreground stuff. And in this, they do it without any of the issues you normally get from that. It's just just real clean.
2: Yeah, you can tell that, like, the studio saw this as an example of where we're going to put the money into the special effects and really, like, sell a movie on that. And that's combined with, obviously, people telling the story who are very interested in making sure that it gets told properly. And that you get, I mean, you get good performances and you get all that stuff as well, which is, it really makes for a very interesting movie to watch. Because I was expecting a special effects spectacular where it was just scene after scene of them finding an excuse to put him next to something and make him look small. And, you know, I expected it to be more of a, like, a a bee monster movie type thing. And it's not that at all. Uh,
1: So, I don't know. No, you didn't enjoy the first half of it, have you said? Yeah,
2: I, it was just kind of like
3: plodded along and I don't know. It's it's such a stereotypical 1950s kind of thing for the first half of the movie where it's like, oh, my God, I'm shorter than my wife now. Could this get any worse? <laughs> and then it's like, I met a tiny lady. Oh, no, I'm shorter than the tiny lady, too, now. I don't know that kind of stuff. I just don't fucking care. I don't care about any of that shit. I bet. I bet it's more interesting in a book. Yeah, it's more introspective.
1: Yeah, but there was a lot of that in the book. They sort of cover how he feels like his marriage is falling apart because obviously he can't work. Um, he can't sexually do anything with his wife because well, that's obviously I, he's I way too to small.
3: That about the time that you're toddler height, yeah. uh, atomically you just you've got nothing.
1: <laughs> Which is why in the book he actually sleeps with the tiny lady from the circus.
2: But I, I feel they sort they of were that implying out. that in the movie without yeah. like not necessarily a sexual relationship, but they were implying that he was somehow connected to her romantically. Without it, I actually oh, think yeah. they me, did. Uh,
3: me not knowing anything about the story, I thought he was going to run away. I thought he was going to leave the wife and go with the circus.
2: Yeah. That's what I sort of thought, too, Um, having because my only knowledge of this film going in was basically the shots of him with the cat, which are pretty famous. And I kind of thought, like, maybe that was maybe he was like doing like a a circus act where he was the lion tamer and the cat was the lion kind of deal or something like that.
1: Turns out much darker. But yeah, yep. It's lost down in the basement, stuck down there. And then the book book it's actually the whole book is uh done in flashbacks like he starts off in the cellar okay and he sort of tells you how he got there but the studio wanted like a much more linear story cool. so they just went from beginning to end.
2: I'll like I'll push back on what Noah's saying um and I think like the linear storytelling works because I think we get to watch this character devolve in a really interesting way. I like that he started out as such a kind of like a nice guy and they were such a happy couple. And you could see that their marriage was gradually falling apart, that he was gradually, you know, being basically driven mad by this. And it is sort of the story is sort of like he's driven mad until that point where he finally snaps when he's down in the basement and decides, fuck it, like, I'm going to take my life back and starts fighting back. And that's when he has the battle with the spider. And like when you compare the battle with the spider to the battle with the cat, like he didn't put up much of a fight against that cat because he was. I like think he was just so down that he just didn't give a shit anymore. And then when he finally goes up, goes up against that spider, even though he's much smaller, now he's wanting to survive again. And the speech he gives at the end is sort of like about how, even though he's kind of, even though he's basically shrunk down to the point where he doesn't exist anymore, he still feels like he's more worthwhile now than he was previously. So it's kind of an interesting character arc.
3: I was going to say, I, I think- I actually found it almost the opposite that I, th- I feel like the ending is weird it, when it directly follows the confrontation with the spider, because it goes from him deciding it doesn't matter that I'm tiny. I want to fight and, and thrive and exist. You know what I mean? And then for him to then to immediately be like, and yet I'm going to shrink away with nothing and become one with the universe. And I'm fine with that. And it's like, well, if you're cool with oblivion, you should just let the fucking cat eat
2: you. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I sort of feel like though it's the idea of he's finally regained control and now he's comfortable with what's be- what's happening to him, rather than it just being it driving him mad is the key to it, right? Like the the idea that he's now gained peace with the situation, rather than allowing it to destroy him mentally, even though it's destroying him physically. Yeah.
1: So, like I mentioned before, apparently the studio wanted a happier ending, so they wanted someone to come in at the last minute and be like, hey, we found a serum that works, and then everything everything will be fine, you know? That that wouldn't have been fucked. That wouldn't have ruined everything. Oh. Uh, Luckily, Jack Arnold talked them into letting him have a uh, preview screening, and apparently the end, caught people off guard, but they said they still really liked it, so... Studio kind of let him have his way.
2: Oh, that's good though. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny because uh, it's, I think studios sometimes just don't have faith in audiences. And, and, uh, if you let people watch something and let them react that they might actually recognize what's good. (laughs) Yeah. Cause like, like I had to tell you, I was blown away by this movie. I going in basically blind, not knowing what to expect. um, like I say, looking for a, a B monster movie from the '50s and getting this like psychological drama that you end up with, you know. Despite the fantastical nature of the story, it's really an interesting character study, and I, I, I was super impressed with it. So I'm, uh, I'm glad they kept the ending. I think it works. I, I don't. I really don't have any complaints about this movie whatsoever.
1: Uh. It was, uh, I was going to say, Oh, it's kind of interesting. If you look at how they put talent behind stuff, like, you know, the actors were good. The director was good. It comes from a Richard Matheson story. So of course that ends up translating really well to the screen. When you, uh, take it, take the time to figure out what works and what doesn't, and then we'll see in the next movie when you try to do sort of a cash grab movie. Yeah. That it's easy to fall on a bunch of like horrible <laughs> tro- tropes or whatever. Yeah, and it, yeah.
2: But we'll we'll get to that one. But it's like for sure. Yeah, I mean you, you're right in this one. I I think the, um, starting with the Matheson story is probably and having not read it. Now I I actually do really want to read it now. But um, starting with the Matheson story is always a good idea. And you can tell this one has some of the tropes of that with the the. um internal monologue and all that kind of stuff which is clearly again i don't know if it's word for word ripped from the book but i guarantee a lot of that is from the book because that's his storytelling style and it's like it, it he he does have a knack matheson does for taking these fantastical stories and then breaking them down to these base elements where you can kind of relate to the people involved and you, know, you can kind of imagine a guy in the 50s, that would have been a big deal if all of a sudden you were shorter than your wife. It would have been a big deal if all of a sudden you couldn't work. And we see him trying to figure out – he goes through that whole struggle where he's trying to like write a book, even though he doesn't know how to write a fucking book. <laughs> but he's got to do it because how else is he going to make money? You know, He, he doesn't want to be famous, but he has to start going on television and shit because how else is he going to su- – provide for his family like the wife can't go work it's 1957 that's not a real option so all that stuff is very interesting i think um and handled quite well where they don't they don't come right out and say it like he doesn't stand up and look into the camera and say i feel emasculated because i'm shorter than my wife you just see him getting angrier and more frustrated with the situation and you see how he starts to not treat her as well And how the fact that she stands by him, I think, is an interesting thing because he actually gives her the opportunity to leave and she doesn't. And then all of a sudden he's like living in a dollhouse and she's still there. And it's like, God, that's going to be hard on her. Like, we don't get much time to, like, think about what she's going through. But you can just imagine things from a different perspective where you're like, what's got to be going on in her head? If you're like, oh, my husband lives in that dollhouse in the living room now, that's... I guess that's where we're at. Like, the, 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 that's the rest of my life until he and, and I'm, at, at some point, both of them must have stopped and thought about how small is he going to get? Like, is, you know what I mean? When does he enter the quantum realm? You know, they don't bring that up exactly, but it's the same idea. It's like at some point they have to all have gone through this. And I think you see it in the characters, even though they don't expressly state it all.
3: Thank you. I do enjoy the fact that you, you feel so bad for his wife, and especially the dollhouse scene where he kind of, like, snaps and he's yelling at her. But the thing that he yells at her is basically, you know, make sure you don't leave the door open because <laughs> things <laughs> thinks can get in, and I'm very small. And I'll be goddamned if she doesn't leave that fucking door open and walk off and do something and that cat gets in. <laughs> it just about <laughs> fucks his whole life up. You want to be like, eh, you don't.
1: <laughs>
2: well, yeah, and that, but I mean, that I think that's a real problem that people in like relationships such as marriages have where it's like, okay, you shouldn't be yelling at her, but I can absolutely see how she would just forget to leave a door open and how that would be devastating to him. And that, that's real life, right? Like, it's not obviously most of us don't shrink down to the size where we have to worry about being attacked by house cats, but we do have real problems in our lives, and other people forget and just. Cause you know, it's hard to always be thinking about somebody else's problems.
3: Although even more so you feel bad for him shrinking into oblivion and being trapped in that basement for God knows how long battling the giant spider. Yeah. But uh, the fact that she thinks she left that door open and that cat just fucking killed him.
2: Oh yeah. She's clearly a devastated character in the last half of the film. And it's like his brother that is like comes to her and is like telling her like, you've got to move out of this house. Like you're, you're, he's basically saying you're going nuts, and we can't have that. Like we can't lose both of you guys, so he's trying to help her move forward. And it's like, fuck. Th- th- there's like some dark storytelling going on here for the era. Oh, you know, no,
3: you should... I'll, I'll tell you what. As time passes with him in the basement, because it seems like they're insinuating that he's in that basement
2: for weeks. It's I'm, it's hard I'm to not, tell.
3: Yeah, I'm not entirely certain, but that seems to be what i I think the suggestion is, or maybe that he's perceiving time different as being a tiny person
2: well, he probably yeah. is because if he's like you know if walking across the room is starting to take you all day, then logically time has a different meaning, right like the concept of relativity would kick in
3: right, but I was sitting there thinking, that chick's never gone in the basement. it's been days and days and days. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, her husband was eaten by a cat, Noah. What do you expect her to do?
3: Laundry, occasionally.
1: It's an I mean, unfinished basement.
3: Dressed, you don't want to be
2: nasty. I don't know that that that's an interesting cultural question. Like in the fifties, were laundry machines in the basement, and how often were people washing their clothes?
3: Well, no, scr- but she, she probably hangs clothes in the basement. That's what a lot of people did. Okay. And it showed her earlier working on that dress in the basement. So clearly she goes down there.
1: For By time. the way, I should point out the cat's actual name. Like the actual cat that played the cat. Yeah, His name, his name was Orangey. Okay.
3: <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: And this, he's cre-
3: Who's incredibly he, dumb child named that cat?
1: And he, he's credited as Butch Cat. Butch Cat. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't
2: know why. I don't know. <laughs> We were having a nice, serious conversation. I know, I had to to stop that. (laughs) But, like, what were we saying? Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think maybe that's, maybe the storytelling, maybe it's a bit of a flaw where they're trying to imply that she's so depressed that she never bothers to go finish her dress or do her laundry, and maybe that's all part of it, right? The ironic thing being, had she done that,
1: she would have found out that he was alive. I don't know. Would Would she have? I mean, anytime they, like... they do go down there to try to stop the water heater from flooding. He's like yelling for him and just he's too small. Nobody. By that time. Yeah, I
3: I was going to say, but at that time he's fucked. If she had gone down there any time before he had the matches, he could have like struck a match on the floor and got her attention.
1: That's true, I guess.
2: But then again, what would that have done? Right. So she could have carried him upstairs. So he could have faded away to oblivion upstairs. (laughs) It's almost like he needed to be stuck. I'm not judging people,
3: but. I would much rather fade to oblivion in my comfortable little dollhouse than uh, battling a fucking tarantula in the
2: basement. <laughs> he would not. He But he wouldn't have even been comfortable in that dollhouse at the end. They would have had to get him like one of those flea circuses or something. I don't
1: know. <laughs> this dollhouse is too big. I can't go up the steps. I,
3: what a great movie it would be. Just watching the wife have to get good at making dollhouse furniture and she just <laughs> has to keep making a smaller and smaller couch. Just over every two weeks, <laughs> there's a smaller couch.
1: <laughs>
2: but, anyways, I have, from a storytelling perspective, it's essential that he gets locked in the basement by himself so that he can regain his confidence and die peacefully rather than painfully. If that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah. I still can't believe how seriously this movie took itself when it's just about a guy shrinking And I can't believe how seriously we're discussing the storytelling. Given what I was expecting when I turned this movie on, I'm blown away by every every element of this, Uh, including the things I'm saying. I'm like, how the fuck am I talking this way about this movie about a guy who just starts getting smaller at the beginning of the movie and just keeps getting smaller for the whole fucking movie?
1: (laughs) Yeah, you should read the book. The book's really good.
2: I, sh- I should read the book. I should read everything Richard Matheson ever wrote, because everything
1: I've read, I like. So That's true. Uh, we'll we'll have to check out the uh, re-adaptation at some point. They did uh, The Incredible Shrinking Woman with uh, Lily Tomlin in the 80s.
2: Well, it sounds like we have a follow-up episode, because we have the remake of Attack of the 50-Foot
1: Woman. Which and-
3: of the five million.
1: <laughs> we'll,
2: we'll do the official remake
1: with uh, Daryl Hannah yeah so that one's up on YouTube in full so yes it is I, I, I found it. that one
2: I was going to watch it before this episode but I didn't so I was
3: gonna say there are so many goddamn remakes
2: there's one about a cheerleader that's like relatively new
3: <laughs> The cheerleader is available with commercials for free on V as while you guys were thinking about watching Daryl Hannah I was thinking about watching the even shittier remake.
1: that sounds like noah
2: just as a random side note fucking voodoo is still not available in canada but they have figured out how to start emailing me about their deals so every fucking two days i get an email from them being like wouldn't you like to buy this movie and i'm like yes i would but i fucking can't so why are you emailing me
3: they're like maybe you should get a Tor browser bitch
2: Yeah, that's all I need is to go into the dark web. Never get myself into any trouble oh. down there.
1: <laughs> At least Silk Road's closed down. You can't, uh, you know, hire a hitman or order drugs anymore. I'm, from sure, I'm sure you can. <laughs> from the, from that specific place.
3: I was getting ready to say, I quite assure you, that's still all it's for.
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems like I've heard the dark web even already is like too mainstream now. Like most people have abandoned that because it's just. Now it's in the deep web. Yep. Well, let's, since, let's since not we start had all giving
2: this... a listener's advice on how to get people killed. Let's move on right. instead.
1: Since we had uh, so many good things to say about this movie, Doug, why don't you tell us about attack of the 50 foot woman in i uh, I'm almost guaranteed. It's going to be a little less positive.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. Um, so there's this fucking super crazy annoying woman and she's married to this just utter piece of human shit and they live in the they he, he is fucking garbage. They, they they have like their vacation home in this town full of assholes, just no good human beings in this movie except maybe the butler guy who's no, I don't even I don't even want to give him credit. Um and then like one day like a giant alien comes uh, just out of fucking nowhere. There's just a giant alien, and the wife tries to warn everybody, but nobody will listen to her. And uh, so she goes into the woods. She's obviously hysterical. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, like, because she's such a fucking pain in the ass and she's the town drunk, everyone's like, oh, fuck. And all the cops are just like, we'll pretend to investigate because she pays so much in local taxes but we all know she's just a drunk so nobody actually thinks anything she says is serious um, so then they, she makes the husband go out into the wood into the desert to look for this giant alien thing which when it turns out it's real he unloads a six shooter at it and when that doesn't work he fuck it he abandons his wife in the middle of the desert and takes off to go and try to just literally I think his plan is just get in the car with his mit- mistress and drive as far away as possible he's just running um, the cops stop him because they've heard they get a report about him driving out into the desert with his wife and driving back without him. Um and the next morning the wife is found on the roof of their pool house because these fucking assholes have a pool house despite being pieces of garbage I didn't like these people in case that's not subtle <laughs> enough And uh, in every way imaginable, this becomes a reverse version of the other movie where she just gradually starts growing and the special effects are bad and the character arcs are bad and it does just do the typical thing where when she finally gets big enough instead of it just having like a, a good ending. It's just her going on a little rampage, which is sort of fun for the last
1: 10 minutes of the movie, maybe. And but even it, that, even that's just like her ripping the roof up and then grabbing somebody. It's not even like
2: it's not good. No. no, honestly, like I, I won't say that this movie wasn't kind of fun to watch as like a bad, like B movie. Like you're watching it and you're just like, okay, like it's, it's kind of fun to watch shitty monster movies from the fifties sometimes. But like things like like we were talking about with the the superimposing of her, of the giant people over the backgrounds, and it's like I've seen tons of other movies from this era. This one was unacceptably bad the way the special effects worked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this, uh, get,
3: this came It's out. those transparency issues I was talking about, where normally it's visible, and in this one, they damn near turn the giants into ghosts.
2: Yeah. You almost it, I almost at one point thought that that was going to be a plot line that they could go invisible or that bullets would go through them or something because I thought like a, it looked intentional that you could see through them and it was kind of weird and I, I like I say I I watched lots of these kinds of movies and you you learn to live with the limitations of the filmmaking at the time but this was beyond that
1: About the most positive thing I'll say about this movie, it was an hour and five minutes long.
2: Yes, and and honestly, like as much as we're complaining, it's it's very watchable at an hour and five minutes. (laughs) It's you know what I mean. I was gonna say
3: I'm way more positive on it than you guys are.
2: Yeah, because you like shitty movies more than we like shitty movies.
3: (laughs) Well, Well, and I like I like 1950s monster movies, and that's all this is.
2: Yeah, yeah, but but. The thing is there are good 1950s monster movies. Like if you watch Tarantula or you watch Them, you know, like these are all movies that came out in the same era that use similar ideas of something's giant and it stomps on things, but just does it much much better. Mm-hmm. Like there was there was that. no excuse for like when they when she was like in the bed, okay, like so They can't do like giant person in the bed. They don't know how to do that with the technology of the day. So they just keep doing these close ups on her hand, which is giant. Right. And the other people are around it. Okay, fine. I can accept that limitation. What I can't accept is that the hand they were all surrounding is made out of like paper mache. And nobody's acknowledging that. (laughs) Well,
3: and the fact that the scaling is clearly all wrong, because judging by the size of that hand, either she has one massive arm or there is no way she fits in that room.
2: No, I agree. Yeah. I just hadn't gotten there yet. <laughs> it makes no <laughs> sense. Right. Yeah. And, and again, like a lot of this could have been so. in a better movie. A lot of this wouldn't bother me as much because, you know, if there was interesting characters going on, maybe, but like, who's like, who's the good guy in this movie?
3: Anybody but I was I was going to say they screwed up a little bit with her in making her a drunk yes. from the outset because I, th- there's a few things so she's she's instantly a sympathetic character because her husband's a piece of shit <laughs> like
2: yeah like he's a he's a huge piece of garbage he's openly cheating on her he uses her money to bribe the police when they come like they, they're like your wife ha- had an emergency and he bribes the cop to go away and just pretend he never found him yeah it's like yeah you're right she could be sympathetic
3: yeah but instead we kind of she it kind of gets angry drunk a couple times which you're like you know what maybe i can forgive that too but then there's the situation where the first time we see them really go at it at the house. And she pretty much acknowledges the fact that she knows that he's cheating. She knows that he's a bastard. She knows that he treats her like shit. But she loves him. She just yeah. wants it to stay. And I was like, no, no, you're one of those perma victim girls who's always yeah. going to go back to the abusive boyfriend. And I no longer care about you. Like, <laughs> I cannot. I cannot. I cannot bring myself to care about somebody who immediately goes back to the abuser over and over and over and over again. I've done several real life people like that. and it's just not worth it because you can't, you can't help them. They can't help themselves. Fuck.
2: I'll take it. A, I'll take it a slightly less dark place though. <laughs> and I'll say, um, without contradicting anything you've said, I'll just say if she was less annoying, maybe you could be more sympathetic towards her, but she is just, overacting big symbolic always in a state of panic and you're just like i don't I can't deal with her she's fucking like like I, there's almost a point where i th- I'm sympathetic towards the husband who's openly cheating on her and like literally keeping a mistress in a hotel in town and flirting with that mistress mistress in front of her and I'm like yeah but I understand why he needs to get out of that house man she's fucking annoying <laughs> and she's worth they like she's worth 50 million dollars and he, I was dark. He he implies that like he wants to leave but because of the laws he would get none of that money and I'm like, "Well, he should get some of that money if they're married." And that's you know what I mean? If a, if a couple separates, you're supposed to get half the assets or whatever based on how 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 are the rules work. So he's got some points. And I, I just yeah, you can't make a character... You can't expect me to be sympathetic to a character who's that annoying. I just can't do it. Yeah. She's not good. I figured it out. You know who the hero of this movie is? It's that the comic bar. relief deputy. He's the guy <laughs> I love. He's, he's easily my favorite guy. Holy! That, that moment when he goes to... Uh, when he, he goes in and he gets the guy and he's like, you gotta go home. Like, the deputy wants to see him. And then when when the husband goes back to the bar... Now the deputy's in there dancing with his girlfriend. (laughs) And I just, I love it. And he does that super awkward thing where like he's doing a dance move and the guy walks in and he just turns his dance move into waving goodbye and just leaves. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I like that guy. That's, he's the highlight of the movie for me.
1: Uh, uh, Do you want to hear something really depressing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So both the women in this movie had horrible endings to their lives. Okay,
3: well, by the time period, they got involved with Alfred Hitchcock. He destroyed their careers, and then they committed suicide.
1: So the main girl, she died from lead poisoning from taking calcium uh, pills. I don't know how that works, but apparently... These calcium pills were laced with a lot of lead, and she ended up dying of lead poisoning. Fair. Sure. Uh, and then The Mistress is a story you may have actually heard before. So I don't know if you guys remember, back about 10 years ago, there was a sad story about how some old starlet in Hollywood died in her house. And nobody came to visit her for a year, so nobody found her. Yeah, that was The Mistress. Double sad. Right. That's that's super depressing. Thanks for thanks for bring that up. Hey, ass you said yes.
3: On a brighter note, both of these movies have one of my favorite things in the world. And that's chicks wearing those weird nineteen fifties bras that made their boobs sharp. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't really get that style, but back then apparently that was the bee's knees.
1: Of course, so that's something you're you're excited about. Well,
3: it's just interesting because it's such a a very specific time period there is no other time period that that was in fashion
2: ever what about Madonna in the 80s when she had nothing else on except that
3: uh, yeah but see hers were like golden literal cones not exactly the same thing uh, <laughs> Madonna's a
1: strange oh, I see. Thanks. she was just at the VMAs this weekend
3: but yeah Oh, overall, I'm mostly positive. It's a cheesy, cheesy 50 monster movie. It's fine. Uh, uh, douchebag husband gets his comeuppance. Uh, when, the, when the police sure. try to save him and instead accidentally electrocute the fuck out of it.
1: Uh, I was a little less positive on it. And for some reason, this being only an hour and five minutes felt way longer than the hour and 20 minutes that The Incredible Shrinking Man was
2: see i don't know if i agree with that criticism i as much as i would not describe this as a good movie it is fast-paced there's always something going on there's always somebody
1: on the screen yelling about something i guess it's just we don't get the full-on giant version of her walking down the street until 56 minutes into this hour and five minute movie (laughs) yes and i agree that's a problem
2: i think If you what you do, if you want to make this movie, what you do is first of all you make her into an actual sympathetic character, so that we're rooting for her when she gets her revenge. Um, and then secondly, you make that revenge take a lot longer. Like what I would do is I would have the first half hour of the movie being about the whole town is against her, right? Which they kind of do with the cops mistreating her and the husband. But then, if it, if you could just have like it be more of the people. Just treating her like garbage. And then at the end when she's just walking around stomping on him. We'd all be cheering for her. I think that'd be better. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, that.
3: there's a few interesting things about it. Uh, one thing I was confused by. I don't understand why when she turns into a giant. She becomes blonde.
2: Didn't understand that myself. A little Super weird, confused. They,
3: yeah, they didn't explain that. I did find it interesting the outfit. That they put her in when she's a giant. Where she's basically... Yeah. Tied. I, I don't know a ship's mast around her or something. I don't know where she found a piece of
2: cloth. <laughs> See, and that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, you could have tried to explain that if you wanted to. Right. Like, there's ways it could but, have been a ship's mast.
3: Yeah. But I was gonna say she's she's kind of scantily clad for a '50s movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And it, I don't know. I just I just found that interesting because it's like it's post post pre haze Code. <laughs> that makes sense. But, but it's also pre-sexploitation. Like, that really wasn't a thing yet. That didn't kind of really ramp up until the 60s. I don't know. I, I just thought it was interesting because it was a really uh, provocative kind of thing. I was like, oh, that's kind of impressive for a 50s movie to go sexualized like that.
2: Well, a lot of the movie was, like, sexualized by 50s standards. Like, the way the husband is making out with his mistress all the time and stuff. Right. A lot of that is, like by 50s standards, very risque. And I was kind of surprised by it. But, I, and it's weird to me that again, in a 50s movie when she puts on the scant- scantily clad outfit and dyes her hair blonde and shit that's when she becomes kind of the quote-unquote hero of the movie and starts stomping on all the people that have been annoying for her for the rest of the movie. Um, you'd think it would go the other way in that era but what are you going to do
0: thanks for calling the midnight drive-in no one is here to take your call for more info check out the midnight drive-in on twitter at MNDriveInPod pod or find us on facebook if you want to email us send it to themidnightdrivein at com. remember no outside food and drink anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office Speakable things
1: will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh what did everybody watch?
2: Bings.
3: Actually, just one thing. Uh <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you were lying?
3: No, no, I guess two things. I watched the first episode of uh Why the Last Man since it popped up on Hulu.
1: Oh, it's up already?
3: Right? The first three first
1: three episodes. Oh, didn't even know.
3: Came out Monday yesterday, I should say.
1: Yeah, I never watched it on Hulu.
3: Uh, I don't know. I'll be interested to watch it. So, why The Last Man's one that I have a really weird amount of knowledge of? Because I read the first trade, and somehow I think I read the last trade. <laughs> <laughs> and I missed, like, the middle two, because it's fairly short. There isn't much to it. But it's basically a dude and his monkey uh, survive a event that... Don't I don't think they ever actually give you the answer of what caused it. But basically everything on earth that had a Y chromosome uh starts bleeding out of all their orifices and just dies within like twenty-four hours. And then he's just the last dude and he's gotta deal with the consequences of it. Yeah. And I remember the con the comic book being interesting in that it kind of shatters some of your illusions about stuff, you know, because there's there's always the idea of, well, you know, if if there weren't men, there would be no war and all this kind of stuff. And it's like I don't I don't think that's the way it works. <laughs> I think it's that the second anybody has any kind of power, it instantly turns them into a monster. Yeah, which is basically what the, the comic book explores a lot. That there's all these different factions of selfish, shitty people. And I and I always love the fact that the the hero quote fingers Yorick isn't special he's not like he's not a complete fuck up but he is unexceptional in every way so he's just a dude he just happens to be the dude that didn't die and that's it that's his only redeeming quality is that he didn't die and everybody else did
1: well it's him and his monkey right and his monkey is also uh
3: yeah the know, mon- from
1: what i remember the, yeah,
3: yeah the monkey also survives and if I remember right, in part of the comic books, part of the justification for the survival is the possibility that it's actually the the monkey who's named Ampersand is the one who was actually immune, and he gave uh, Yorick the immunity by getting shit in his mouth because he threw shit. At him. <laughs> Just pretty, but yeah, uh, first episode was really good. It's uh, it's bloodier than you're probably expecting.
1: Well, it's an FX show, so that doesn't surprise me, actually.
3: Uh, and then besides that, I went and saw Malignant. Which I know you finally got out to see it. Yeah, Brian?
1: Uh, I didn't get out to see it. I just watched it on HBO Max right before uh, right before you uh, started the podcast. Uh, I've
3: got mixed feelings about it. I don't know how you are on it.
1: I was fine with it.
3: I thought it was, it's fun. Uh, the bloody bits are great. I just, I had somebody try to tell me that maybe the reason for the dialogue being so bad is that it was intentional and that he was going for this like genre feel. I just don't, I don't get it. I don't feel like the movie ever makes that plain that that's what they're attempting to do. So instead it just sounds like the person who wrote the script is a fucking idiot who doesn't know how people,
1: uh, I don't know. Dialogue didn't bother me whatsoever. Um,
3: really? I've yeah. always yearned for a blood connection.
1: Yeah. She's a woman who uh, likes to get pregnant a lot, so I feel right. like she's overly dramatic.
3: But <laughs> anyway. I'm saying she said, I've always yearned for a blood connection. No mm. one would ever fucking say it that way. Yeah. No one.
1: I don't care. doesn't bother me
3: then she goes which the sister goes what do you mean ah th- our parents took me in when i was eight i am adopted
1: <laughs> like i don't not, feel i don't feel it was that stilted but yeah
3: it's pretty close i don't know it's unfathomable it's unforgivably bad is the way i would describe it violence <laughs> good action good a lot of the movie is like horror movie pretty if that makes
1: sense uh i feel like uh james wan just wanted to make a bonkers movie yeah
3: i think james wan's not a very good filmmaker
1: personally uh, i personally would disagree with that um but i feel like uh you know the saw movies the very first one at least started off as kind of a serious movie and then uh insidious the first one's kind of a serious movie there is some kind of goofy stuff in it but it, it i feel like it takes itself seriously and then the conjuring movies are very serious and i feel like this one he was just like eh, i just want to do something that's crazy and crazy so yeah. i feel like that's just what he did
3: maybe i don't know see saw to me it's like saw genius insidious mad but passable the Conjuring movies can just go
1: fuck themselves. Oh, see, I liked Conjuring movies, and I really like all the Insidious movies, so... Conjuring movies are trash. You are only saying that because you don't like the Warrens. You don't, I also I don't, don't think, like
3: the Warrens. That makes it doubly
1: bad. See, I don't think you're judging them properly. I think they Maybe. are good, good, well-made movies, but you can't get past the Warren connection.
3: Maybe. It happens. Sometimes we have our our things... Uh, Did you did you figure out the reveal about five minutes into the movie? Because I sure.
1: Well, I didn't because someone ruined it for me on Saturday. You know, not even 24 goddamn hours since the movie came out. People had to go all over Facebook and just spout off. Well, oh, it's basically just this movie. Insert title that I'm not going to say that essentially just ruins the entire reveal of everything.
3: But I kind of feel like there wasn't a reveal, right? You would have figured that out,
1: probably. But I, and I'll never know.
3: I would, I would assume somebody who is not entirely with a functioning brain would figure out what's going on in that movie. If you don't, you're either the most unobservant fuck ever, or you just like don't understand the way the human body moves.
1: Yeah, but I was just, I was really pissed off that I had it ruined for me. And not by just one, like there was one person that did it. And I was like, God damn it. Are you fucking serious? Like type that into their comments and then scroll down like three different posts. And then there's another person that spoiled it in the exact same way. And I'm like, what the fuck people like, do we not have any consideration of just like, well, it hasn't even been out for 24 hours. Maybe I'll wait till after the weekend to say something.
0: I,
3: I, see, I find that stuff bizarre I don't ever post spoiler stuff on Facebook I just don't why would you do that
1: Because people are idiots
3: Even if it was a shit movie why would you rob Somebody else the opportunity of finding Out how much shit
1: yeah, I'm gonna was. send you I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a, a direct Message directly to you Doug won't see it And, and say, Don't uh,
3: spoil it for Doug Doug
1: no, might not, see it sometime next year uh, <laughs> Next year
3: Slacker Yeah Acting like just because your house burned down, you've got an excuse not to go
1: see every movie. I don't even know what Malignant is. I kind of tuned out while you guys were discussing this one. All right, it's James well, Wall, almost, that guy. Alright, I sent you a Facebook message, Noah, of what this person said that basically ruined it for me. See.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a pretty direct spoiler.
1: Right? It's just like, can you just not do that?
3: I suppose. I suppose you could argue it's not a complete spoiler because ninety percent of people wouldn't get that reference, but for the ten percent that do, that's fucked
1: up. <laughs> Idiot. Uh, so I was not very happy with that. But yeah,
3: that's it. That's that's all I watched this week.
1: What about you, Doug?
2: Uh Well, let's see. Last week I talked about watching Fubar, so I totally watched Fubar two this week. <laughs> okay, it's. It's uh, also funny, but way more Canadian, so I'm not sure if I could possibly recommend it to anyone else outside of the country. Um, but yeah, big dumb comedy, so there's no point in trying to talk about it. Um, I Some stuff that's more podcast-related. I watched The Old Dark
1: House. Have you guys seen this one? Don't you know what it is? I know what it is, but I have not seen it. Yeah,
3: I have
2: no idea so uh, tell me if you've heard this plot line before noah so there's these travelers right there's bad weather so they're like stranded and they have to go up to this like old house and try to like look for shelter and they find like a a creepy weird family living in there and there's like a mute butler who kind of it seems to be a bit disformed and they find like an old guy that's like you know, too old to get out of bed, sleeping upstairs, and there's one room that's locked, and nobody will tell them what's behind the door. You ever heard of a plotline like that before?
3: It sounds like the Adams family's Chainsaw Massacre.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so basically, it's it, despite the fact that there are hundreds of movies just like that, this is actually the first one. It's a James Whale made it in 1932. So it's like his follow-up to Frankenstein, but probably not because they made like a movie a week back then. So it's probably made 12 others that I don't know about. Um, Karloff plays the deformed butler. And it's a really genuinely excellent movie that sets the template for all those other ones you've seen that fit that. Um,
3: I was going to say, you you had me at Karloff.
2: Yeah. So it's like plot-wise, I mean, I've already given it to you but solid performances from everybody. It has, like, it's amazing how many of the stereotypes of these types of movies that you get in this, like, first one. You know, it's everything to the point of, like, there's two different groups of travelers that show up and then the one guy from the one group starts hitting on the girl from the other group and all that stuff that you would, like, totally expect them to wield into one of these movies. Um, But, yeah, solid acting, solid, like, atmosphere really genuinely kind of that middle ground where it's like creepy at times but fun at times and uh, like all the characters are are interesting and unique there's like like the two the two main family members are like this brother and sister and the brother is just creepy and weird and old and the sister's like almost like a gypsy she looks like and she's doesn't want to let anyone into the house but they're like they don't have any choice because the weather has blocked off the road um, yeah, really solid recommend if you're into like universal classics. Um, I don't like, I understand that 1932 filmmaking isn't for everybody, but I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm very happy. I finally got around to it after, you know, putting it off for, I don't know, decades.
1: And, Did you really, you're like, nah, I'm not going to watch that movie. I'll wait. And then finally I caught up to you
2: yes that's i've been I've, well it's been on my to watch list for a long time and i had a copy of it that i kept in my house and for obvious reasons i can no longer watch that copy so when i stumbled across it on a streaming service this week i was like very excited to watch it right away
1: <laughs>
2: uh, there's, a, there's a long list of titles that i acquired and never got to watch and I don't even know what that list is, but when I see one, I'm like, oh yeah, that one. They I get sad. Um, the other thing I watched this week was uh, Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight, which is, I think Noah's talked about this one. It's like a Polish slasher movie. Yeah! It's, it's, in North America, it's called the Netflix original, but I somehow don't feel that they actually financed it. I feel like they just bought it. Um, yeah, it's it's just a slasher movie. Um I think online people are talking about it as if it's something more or something better than a slasher movie and it totally isn't. It's just a slasher movie, but I was super relieved to just watch a slasher movie.
3: No, it's it's something more and better than most modern slasher movies.
2: Well, because it's not a parody of slasher movies, it's not it does not have all these meta references in it. It's just a bunch of kids go into the woods. They make up an excuse at the beginning of the movie why none of them will have a cell phone. And then there's a killer. Then there's like mild plot twists that you can probably see coming. And then the killer kills a bunch of people and at the end, uh, one of the girls survives. And if you've seen a slasher movie before, the minute those kids walk into the woods, you even know which girl's going to survive. Like, it's just... But that's that's exactly what I wanted. And that's what it delivered. And I, yeah, like it compared to all the other ones that are always trying to be clever and quote unquote have fun with the formula. Like no, it doesn't do any of that. It just we get our little flashback story that where a wire killer is the way he is. It's it actually I, I don't I don't even think it's spoilery. It's like literally like meteor from space. <laughs> caused the guy to get all fucked up so his mom locked him in the basement and we see how he gets out of the basement and that's it now he's a killer guy running around the woods in Poland so the only part of it that made me laugh a little bit was like there's that constant humor about um, how basically Eastern Europe is just you know way behind us here and how they they're, they're just getting you know our pop culture from decades ago, but there are just kids quoting like the Terminator in this movie. And I'm like, why are these like 16 year olds quoting? Ter- oh, I get it. Cause they're in Poland. <laughs> like that's a new movie to them. <laughs> they don't even quote T2. They're quoting the original one. So apparently there's still an eighties movies coming out there.
1: Oh, uh, what a great time. Yeah.
2: Lucky for them. Yeah. So can't even imagine what it would be like to see Terminator again for the first time. Oh Amazing. But yeah, I, yeah I, I really enjoyed watching that movie. Like I say, it's just a slasher, but good. Things, more things should be just a slasher. Um, the only other thing I watched this week, I watched a Creepshow 2 over again, which I love that movie. I know it has, like, a bad reputation, and I know it's technically not as good a movie as the other one, but it's so fun, and it's so stupid. <laughs> and, you know, that's all. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's. I was like, going to say, I but The Raft, man. The
3: Raft.
2: The Raft is, like, with the exception of the, the 80s rapiness of The Raft. Everything else about that story, I think, really works quite well. I remember that story like scaring me when I was a kid, and I can understand why. Like watching it now, why that would happen.
3: Yeah, it's it's just. My, I've always thought this, so I think the raft is better on its own than any individual story from the first creep show. Ouch! Like pound um, pound for pound.
2: I'd have to re—I'd have to honestly sit down and rewatch the original Creep Show because I haven't in a while.
1: Um, but I don't. You should I, listen. You should watch it with the uh, the commentary we put out for your uh, <laughs> your benefit show that yeah, har- yeah. hardly anybody bought.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I told you guys I'm considering buying my kid in. Used Ninja Turtles blanket off of eBay with the money we made. (laughs) We're almost there if a couple more people buy it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyways, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm right now I'm just debating whether I think what Noah said is accurate, and I don't think it's crazy. As a standalone story, is it better? I mean, certainly, Creepshow one with its like five stories is better than. Creepshow Show 2 with its three stories. Um and like like the first like the first story in Creepshow Show 2 is just the the wooden cigar store Indian that comes to life and kills everybody who killed it who killed his owner, which is I mean it's problematic in a lot of ways, sure it now. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> but on the other hand, we get to watch him kill a bunch of people and scalp a bunch of
1: people and stuff. Do you recognize... Uh... The main bad guy from uh Mindhunter? No. Oh yeah, the guy that keeps saying he's gonna go to Hollywood or whatever. The long hair? Yeah, that's the old gruffed uh gruff detective out of the out of the teeth pairing from Mindhunter. Really? Yeah, it's him and in, uh Indian face. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know what the term is for that. Is it red face? I don't, I don't know. know,
2: probably. I don't, know, I don't know what the I term think, is for offensively worst, painting a white woman. I was going to say the worst thing is
3: I think the term is red face and that even the term red face is problematic.
2: <laughs> yeah, not to start comparing minority groups, but natives have it pretty bad. It's it's rough. It, just, it was just so socially acceptable for so long to do this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it blew my mind when I found out it was the same person. I was like, holy I, shit. I had no idea.
2: And I, I don't blame the actors who did these things in the 80s because they weren't the ones making the decisions, but fuck. It's rough to watch now. Um, but yeah, it's not like he's the only problem. The yeah. fact they've got him really, uh, like just all of the interactions between the like the old native guy, the like chief or whatever he is, and the store guy, it's all problematic. And just the fact that in the 80s, natives are still using, like, seashells to pay for shit and stuff. It's like, no, <laughs> I don't... No.
0: <sighs>
2: Anyways. Yeah. But on the other hand, we get to watch, like, a wooden Indian fire a boner out at a douchebag and <sighs> chop up a fat guy. So that's fun. What's weird about that whole thing is, like, now that I'm processing it, I'm like, I think it's actually it's actually progressive by 80s standards because they go out of their way to have like like the good guys are like the native chief and like the storekeeper who's like one native and one white dude and then the bad guys are the uh, the, the mixed group of like teen thugs which is m- made up of people of well, it's all white people, but some of them are painted to look like <laughs> races. So I think technically by 80s standards, it's a progressive way of looking at it. Even if it is like awkwardly feeding into the conservatism of the 80s by having like all the young people be bad and all the old people be perfect. Which would be. Yeah.
1: Anyways. When we were trying to put together your little benefit pod. Yeah. I had... Uh, Creep Show two on standby in case we got so many podcasts that wanted to join. Yeah. Uh we didn't have to end up using it, of course. <laughs> people people said they were gonna do stuff and then they dropped out. So we ended up not not even having enough. I had to round up a couple a couple people at the end to try to get some shit done. <laughs> All good. <laughs> At least you got Ted to record something. It's funny that he couldn't get Anthony to watch or anything. Oh, no. He's like, oh, no. We probably can't do that, but we can do a shoot the shit. I was like, fine. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah.
2: No, I I, I expected as much. <laughs> it's very generous of you guys.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Are you still going to a cream show, too? Do you have anything else to say? I don't know. What's the story? I haven't talked. About? Oh, what the... Thanks
2: for the Ride Lady one is just super fucking fun to watch. Anybody who doesn't feel that way is wrong. <laughs> she just keeps running over that dude, and he keeps getting more and more fucked up until they have to take the actor out of it and put in a fucking puppet to be the fucked up thing. <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. I, I, I really enjoy that one, too. A lot of people don't like it. I don't. I, like, this thing. Like Okay, like, we've, I, I don't understand why Creepshow 2 is so disliked in popular opinion when two out of the three stories are fucking great and one is still kind of fun so i guess that's my comments on that i don't know i just hadn't seen it in a while and like i was i had someone over we were watching it and they're like want to watch that And i'm like yes yes i do and we watched it and i just got it made me very happy
1: nice and i'm sure you stopped at that one because there was no such thing as a of Creepshow 3. Listen, I,
2: I have managed to make it this far without seeing Creepshow 3. <laughs> and I think we all know there's a risk that if you talk about it, I'm going to end up watching it. So please don't. Oh,
1: I've never seen it.
2: I wouldn't even bother. Uh, I've, I've never heard anything positive about it. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. That's all I had time for in this particular week.
1: Ugh, well, I watched Malignant. We already talked about that. And... Yeah. That's it. <laughs> uh, I guess the kids uh, started watching uh, season, season three of what we do in the shadows. Okay. So fucking happy that shows back. Uh, still fucking hilarious. Uh, absolutely love each episode. We watched, we watched an episode last night and Amanda was like laughing so hard she couldn't breathe. It was pretty good. And so I, I recommend if nobody's ever watched tv show what we do in the shadows
0: Definitely
1: i haven't watch seen it. it so you'd find a way to watch it at some point yeah we'll see <sighs> like i said if people are worried they're like well i love the movie so much and i'm afraid don't be afraid it's still really funny and really could could be classified as funnier than the movie just because there's more of it than the movie like it's so fun. fucking fun exactly so watch what we do in the shadows definitely worth it
3: it's, yeah. I thought it was funny that I think the show I started off thinking Laszlo was the funniest one and maybe Colin Robinson and just Nandor just keeps getting funnier
0: <laughs> this, this
3: shit goes on just because he's such a
1: fucking weird uh, yeah they all take turns being fucking hilarious the Jackie Daytona episode from season 2 still kills me
0: Here's
3: a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future.
1: Noah, we put you in charge to come up with movies for next week.
3: Yes, you did. And what instead, I found movies for the entire month because fuck you guys.
1: Oh, great. Good damn it.
3: Uh, so we're going to do some uh, Kane Hodder movies. We believe the first ones are going to be Project Metal Beast in Prison. Have you guys seen Project Metal Beast before?
2: no no
3: it is a uh, bonkers ass where
2: that's kind of reassuring but it,
3: oh, and that's <laughs> all i will give you i i it's if i were to tell you the plot of this movie i would rob you of the opportunity to find out prison i've never seen before but i do believe it's got to do with a haunted prison
2: i suspect it takes place mostly in a prison that's my guess based on the title yeah <laughs> I have no idea what you wouldn't, we're getting into. You
3: wouldn't, you wouldn't expect it to be a ghost prison, though. No.
2: Wait, what's a ghost prison? Is that a prison that's a ghost, or is
3: it a prison no, 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 where you a, put the ghosts? This, no, this one is a prison that has a ghost in it.
2: Okay, but it's not, it's a haunted prison, not a, like, it's yes. not like a containment unit like the Ghostbusters had. No. Okay.
3: Yeah, so, October, Kane Hodder Month. Hmm. Everybody excited? Do you guys like Cane Hodder?
1: uh he's all right he's been kind of an asshole a couple times i met him at a convention so
3: well that's why i picked mostly movies where he's in a suit (laughs) (laughs) you can't be a douche when you're literally wearing an alligator costume
2: so fun fact i was talking to someone at um who worked at conventions for a while And so she had met Kane Hodder a bunch of times. And I guess he offered her, like, free autographs. But she turned it down and said it's because she was more of a Freddy fan than a Jason fan. And uh, she was so she's working one of these conventions. And he's there. And it's her birthday. And somebody must have told him. And he he brings her a Nightmare in Elm Street box set, which is a pretty funny story, I thought.
1: (laughs) I'm sure he's perfectly fine. But the couple times I was... (laughs) At conventions for podcasts and stuff, and tried to get him to do something. He was very standoffish. Yeah. So I don't know I like I have only ever seen him speak
2: publicly, and I can just say he's uh, he's one of those people who's very happy being who he is. He loves being Kane Hodder. You know? <laughs> I was gonna say it's gonna be really
3: complicated and weird being a person who, in some ways, has has been a few very recognizable characters and at the same time having absolutely nobody recognize you ever unless they're super big genre fans
1: well i asked doug jones for an interview and he did not did not even stop to think about it he's like oh yeah sure let's do it yeah but what are you do? but doug jones is one of the nicest people on the face of this planet not just as a celebrity, just as a person. If you ever get a chance to meet Doug Jones, I highly recommend it. Okay,
2: I'm literally <laughs> saying, just, no. Just, do you want to th- <laughs> rethink who we're paying tribute to next? It should be uh, Doug Jones <laughs> month next instead. Or uh,
3: I was gonna say, I'll, t- I'll tell it's you what. Awkward here. We, we would have a really hard time doing a Doug Jones month uh, unless we just did every fucking.
1: You month. thinking Doug Bradley?
3: No, yeah. I am thinking Doug Bradley.
1: Doug Jones, Doug Jones, son.
3: Oh, yeah. he's the, he's the dude who did uh, Pan's Labyrinth and all that
1: shit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: So it's hard to do a, a month of him because you have to actually like go to his IMDb page. You can't just remember him from the movies because you never get to see him. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I would I would really have a hard time listing a bunch. I mean, he's in that new Star Trek series.
1: Yeah, we're not doing that on the show. We'd just be like Hellboy, Hellboy two. Pan's Labyrinth, Crimson Peak, Shape of Water. That sounds like I always, a a, good I always forget
3: about Hellboy, right? because in the first one, uh, what's what's his face did the voice? David Hyde Pierce. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. it fucked me all up for the rest of them.
1: Yeah, they asked him to come back for the second one, and he's like, no, have Doug do it. Because Doug did the voices for uh, the cartoons, and he's like, I don't understand why I'm doing the voice of Ape Sapien. Doug does it just fine, so good on David Hyde Pierce for...
3: Well, I mean, he even had him not put his name in, like, the advertisements or any of that kind of stuff. Because he was like, you know, Doug really makes
2: character. I just kind of did a voice.
1: (laughs) Yeah, good old Doug Jones. Guys, want to do a Kane
2: Hodder month? Yeah, I love Doug Jones. And that David Hyde Pierce, he's a real modest guy. I like him a lot. (laughs) What are we talking about again?
3: (gasps) I will. I will go ahead and lodge my objection in the court of public opinion that these assholes would not let me put uh, uh, Jason Takes Manhattan <laughs> in the in the list.
1: Oh, why would you do that to yourself? Sewer Jason. Oh, my God. It's the worst. At least
2: we'd all get to have that moment where he punches that guy's head off on the roof during the boxing match.
3: Yeah, he does.
2: But, but then we have to, you know. Acknowledge that there's a boxing match in a Friday the thirteenth movie for some reason.
3: And there's that moment where he makes all of those uh grimy New York city punks pee themselves by lifting his mask for a second.
1: Fucking stupid. Yeah, but that's the only New York part. Like you said, but grimy New York, and I'm like, You mean grimy Vancouver or Toronto, whichever one they shot at the
2: Vancouver, because you can uh, there's times where you can clearly see like mountain ranges in the background, I believe. <laughs>
3: I don't, we don't even have enough time to figure that out. Most of the movie's on a boat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And I, I will point out for the record that according to the official lore, Jason can clearly drive a boat in that <laughs> because he gets on that boat in Crystal Lake and then he makes it to the other boat somehow. So he's got to have driven that speedboat or whatever it is.
3: Also, how great would it have been? If the actual name of the movie was Friday the 13th Eight, Jason takes a boat. And that was That'd it. The whole, that. the whole movie was just him stabbing people on a boat. And he just kind of ends with him walking over the side of the boat, falling back in the lake.
2: Later. <laughs> wink the, to The, camera the
3: lake, which speaking. goes from a lake the size of a small illinois and lake to I don't, lake
2: michigan i don't like. yeah it makes no sense the boat that they that they are in at the beginning of part eight would not fit in the lake from part seven like it, which is, supposedly the body hasn't moved that whole time
3: and how would they get to new york from a lake it's lake
1: why the fuck are we talking about this movie so much? It,
2: it has an outlet of some sort, and that is not at all contradicted by the fact that in part yeah, four you. the people jog circles around the fucking lake.
3: You guys, you guys wouldn't let me uh, put it in the list, and so we're talking about it anyway. <laughs> at
2: least I don't have to watch it.
1: You guys. <sighs> so we're talking about what if? Oh yeah, zombies. Yeah, zombies. Um. So Hulk comes back to Earth. Turns out Earth is, Earth is full of zombies. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about this episode? It's
2: all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little torn on it because I've wanted to see Marvel zombies for so long. And now part of me thinks I liked it so much that I want them to do like a feature length movie of Marvel zombies. And then part of me thinks that if it was much longer than this, watching the the zombie superheroes use their powers would eventually drive me nuts. I'm still <laughs> not sure how I, feel.
3: I think it would be a good animated. Movie.
2: Yes. Animated for sure. I'd also, though I'd like, I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of the storytelling technique of having him land in the infected world. I kind of want to like, and this is where I say a movie would work. I kind of want, I want to see it happen. And I want to, you know, have our establish our survivor group and have them try to fight back and all that rather than have that all be done when he gets there. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But again, like uh, you can't do that in a 32 minute episode or whatever. They can't, they can't tell the fall of society and, you know, see how Peter manages to survive and whatever else. Right. Mm -hmm.
3: There were moments that I like the, uh, the opening bit where he goes out into the streets and it's all abandoned. And then, uh, I can't remember their names, but fucking Thanos' minions show up.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and,
3: and then Thanos' minions just get gang fucked by a bunch of zombie superheroes. <laughs> like after how badass they were in the movie, and this they're just like, hey, wait a ah! <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: I love so like, the uh, the look of zombie Captain America. That was like that visual was one of my favorite things. That was fantastic.
1: What did we think of uh, Futurama had uh, Ant-Man? Pretty funny. <laughs> so, Especially I mean, what, he's, what he's flying around, with Doctor Strange's cape.
2: You know, I love the idea that Doctor Strange's cape is just its own character, which <laughs> it, it clearly is in the movies, which is fine. But it just having it without a, a Doctor Strange to attach to is fucking perfect. I kind of liked the idea... the uh, like the ending and the reveal of zombie Scarlet Witch, I, I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it, like, it was pretty good. I just, like I say, I'm torn between if it was longer, would I get sick of watching them be able to use their powers? Because that part was really weird to me. Especially like the, the non-superhero ones. Like zombie Falcon being able to still fly his suit and stuff seems strange to me.
1: <laughs> That's
2: the part that bothers you? Yeah, because once they're once they're a superhero, then you kind of like, OK, that's supernatural. We can throw all the rules out the window. OK, like Scarlet which is magic. So, of course, when she gets bit by a zombie thing, she's going to be different than a normal zombie. But Falcon's not magic.
3: Yeah, I was in the comic books. It gets even fucking weirder.
2: Well, I'm sure. Yeah, i because I I haven't ever read the comics, but I know enough about them to know that like the zombies have conversations with one another and shit. So I don't
0: know that I'd be
3: the one. In one of the versions, they kind of each time the zombies they all kind of gain a part of that superhero, and that one kind of culminates them infecting. Gal- they turn into planets.
2: <laughs> that seems very
1: strange to me. It's very weird. <laughs> specific thing i was going to ask about and i completely forgot what it was now oh some people have pointed out that two episodes in a row hank pym has fucked up everything yeah that's true
2: not sure what they have against him all of a sudden
3: <laughs> well it's two times that hank pym has fucked things up and it's also two times that hope van dyne is an integral part of the story and I so,
1: you're, so you're saying it's all hope's fault
3: no i'm, I'm <laughs> saying that like I feel like Disney's plotting involving the
1: pin. Maybe a third movie where they fight Kang?
3: Yeah, more than that. Right. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It just feels like they're going that direction. Kind of the same way a lot of stuff is revolved around multiversal stuff. And you know, it's it's not just setting up Kang and that. You know what I mean? Not just the strange sequel and stuff but there's obviously more
1: to it well i haven't watched it yet but i've been reading on facebook that the what if put out a mid-season trailer and then we are going to get sequels to episodes we've already seen later this season so it's kind of kind of good maybe there'll be more zombies so doug can get more of what he wanted
3: Yeah, i was going to say this one kind of does just leave off in the story
1: uh well, anything else no,
2: it was pretty good. I thought it was interesting, like, which characters they chose to have survive and which ones they didn't. It was, was kind of fun to guess who was going to survive and stuff, but.
1: Uh, did anybody catch the uh, Hawkeye trailer? I did. Uh, yeah. It's a Christmas movie. Christmas series, but yeah. Christmas series, yeah. Sorry.
2: Did anybody else kind of feel like it was. Um, I don't know, it had like a diehard feel to it with everybody jumping around and all the action and then the <laughs> Christmas music playing. It made me. It made me happy, plain and simple.
1: Uh, Amanda's excited. She's like, "Oh yes, it's going to be a Christmas show. That's fantastic." Uh, uh, I'm
2: excited for this show now in a way that I wasn't before. The trailer did what it's supposed to do. Uh, I, I think the scenes have hit. The idea of them tying up. The sort of loose ends for these characters that were kind of background characters in the, the bigger Avenger movies I think is fun like the idea that there are consequences to what he did during the snap um, I like the idea that he's you know having the, the human characters that, that can, can just train the next generation have them do that is a neat idea so uh, I think there's a lot to look forward to here And it seems like maybe a significant part of the plot is going to be that he has to go on an adventure, but he wants to make it home in time to spend Christmas with his family. And that's just funny to me. So,
1: (laughs) Well, Amanda pointed out, she's like, God damn it. Why do they all these like characters that they've had that they've not really given us anything for them? Now, suddenly they're going to give us something to really care about. And then they're going to be like, all right, well, that's it. That's Hawkeye's done. Now you got young girl Hawkeye. I don't like,
3: See I don't think that's where it's going I think Renner's around for a while I think so Yeah I think they're setting They're clearly setting up Young Avengers And yep. they can set up Young Avengers While not get adult analogs
2: If that makes sense Yeah I don't think you're going to have to I think you might have two Hawkeyes Or maybe one is semi-retired or whatever But whenever they need him he'll be there
3: Well plus Hawkeye 2 She pretty much just goes by Kate Bishop all the time She
1: doesn't ever go by hot. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Also, the rumor is that this series is going to see Vincent D'Onofrio return as the kingpin. Yeah. Um,
2: I love Vincent D'Onofrio as the kingpin, but I don't see any evidence other than just people on the internet going, I think he's going to be in it. So (laughs) that's, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it seems
3: i i generally think marvel isn't stupid you know what i mean they they do a pretty good job of listening to what the audience seems to want and i think they know that everybody really 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 wants
2: d'onofrio back as kingpin in a yeah and and i'm not saying he won't come back i'm just saying i don't see any evidence in this trailer that he's back <laughs> i don't either and it's but,
1: like but if like, he does, did you so see that happen
2: like, what's uh, who's the actor that played Daredevil? He had to put out, like, a statement saying that the one in the Spider-Man trailer, that is not his forearm, because people were insisting it was his forearm. And it's like, just relax. Quit reading, like, quit reading too much into this shit. I know that we're nerds and we love to overanalyze, but it's not fucking, you don't have to try to guess whose finger it is, if there's a finger in the background of a shot. Like, <laughs> we'll
1: see when the movie gets there. It might just be an extra. It's fine. Apparently, like the IMAX trailer showed who that was in that scene by him. Okay. Uh, Did finally put that to rest, but it's just like, Jesus, people, calm down. Like,
2: yeah. And I mean, after all of the speculation that went on during WandaVision and virtually none of it being right, it's like, have we not learned our lesson?
1: (laughs) No, they're still going to think Mephisto's behind everything until he finally does show up i guess
2: <laughs> i don't know i don't know what to say about nerds anymore man it's getting out of control and i think and like wandavision is the prime example of like they fucking knew it was going to happen and they did it on purpose and people still fell for it and now we're still falling for it for other things <laughs> where it's not
1: necessarily on purpose and i'm like what are you-? so the the videos that i watch that kind of give all the easter eggs and stuff that I, you know you may have missed from episodes. Every time there's something with a hexagon, they always cut to and they're like, "You know what that means?" and they cut to the, yeah, to the Nick Cage scene from uh, The Wicker Man, not the bees, and then you know, obvious Mephisto reference, <laughs> and I crack up every time. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I think that's it. I think we're caught up. All right, if you say so. Yeah. Um. So I think it's going to be beer time. As you can
2: see. Oh, don't put the fucking emojis back up. We don't uh, need the back <laughs> <notice, laughs>
3: Did you guys notice how there's two beer mugs?
2: Mephisto? Ah. There's three. Is it Mephisto reference? Yes. Yeah. But why aren't you counting the third one?
3: The fire? Oddly, not a Mephisto
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.